yep. believe in yourself and just have that optimism and confidence. I find a lot of people lack that and not justifiably. And I think if you just give it a crack and even if you fail, you're not failing, you're learning. Welcome back or welcome to another episode of the Success Times Happiness Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Thompson, and today is a very special day. We have the chance to interview Cody Osborne. Now, for people who know me really well, will have already met Codes, already love, fallen in love with him as well, and understand how much of a genuinely beautiful person he is. For people who don't know me but do understand what we've been doing for the last few years, you'll have known that I tag Shadestone Films in pretty much everything that I do, and Cody is the man behind that. He has never gone in front of the lens. He's always the guy behind the lens, filming, taking photos, just being next to me for pretty much everything that I've done over the last three years. He is, we're in joint venture in business together. He, we are 50-50 in this podcast adventure. And then I said to him, it would be lovely to be able to sit down just before he turns 22 and talk to him about his life and about what makes Cody, Cody. It's a beautiful story and I hope you really enjoy it. So here we go. It's not really welcome to the show because... <laughs> <laughs> okay, yep. Cody Osborne, welcome to the desk. <laughs> yeah, In front I of the camera. I definitely say welcome to the show, but you've been at every show. Um, this is a special episode. Uh, I never certainly didn't think that I would get you in front of the camera at all, let alone this early on. But given your birthday is on Thursday, I think we should do a Cody special every year on your birthday and then track, just track how you're progressing and track yeah. how the year has been. And I think it's a really, I think it's a nice idea to be able to, I think it's, I don't think it's coincidental that we're, that it's your birthday and your birth week and yeah. we're, you're in front of the camera. Stars have aligned. Stars have aligned. So for the people that know me, know you. And the people that don't know me have never would have never seen you, would have never met you, but have seen all your work that you've done for me, and particularly including this podcast. Um, so you are a very special human in my life, but someone who, by your own admission, you'd rather be on that side of very the camera so. <laughs> <laughs> and take a good shot and do all the things, but not be not be the center of attention. So I know you well and I know what you've gone through in your life and you've given me permission to be an open book today, Yeah. Um, which I thank you and I thank you for your courage and vulnerability to be that open book. How would you describe what you do? What do you do for a job, Cody Osborne? I would say I'm a cinematographer, but breaking it down even further, I would say storyteller. That's the crux of what I enjoy the most out of my work. So cinematographer, first and foremost, I love film, always have, enjoy how films are made, the behind the scenes, all the tech side of things with cameras and lighting and so on. But at the end of the day, it's telling a story. So 
whether that is video or another format, stills, podcasts. That's why I love this so much, being able to talk to so many different people and hear their stories and what they've gone through and what they've achieved. So I'd say, yeah, storyteller. So take me back when growing up on the Sunshine Coast. <laughs> Caloundra my whole life. Caloundra your whole life. Come from there this, af- this afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, going through high school, what did you – for all, for, for, given this is a birthday episode, Codes is 21, turning 22 this week. What are you thinking you want to do going through high school? Going through high school, I always knew it was film. Um, uh, they'd actually taken, they gave us media in grade nine, but took it away further than that. So um, I'd like set up a little film club at school that we'd do uh, once a week at lunch times and... Uh, would make little short films with a group of four or five of us in that and yeah just anything that involved a camera really yeah um academics uh, wasn't great at anything um I enjoyed graphics and had a little battle with a mate Jake who were always fighting for first in that class but other than that it was just average school life and it was the create you you were able to identify that it's that creative path through I guess through storytelling and creating that content that drew you, like what what was it about? Was it was it that early on, or was it just why do you think um, you were drawn to film and? I don't really know. I just, as far as I can remember, I've always loved film. Mm. Um, I'm really lucky. My, it's funny. My auntie is a wedding photographer, so I've always been around her cameras and borrowing her equipment and things sometimes to the detriment of a few lenses. But, yeah, that would probably be a main driver of it. My mum had actually done a Bachelor of Film and Television, but I didn't find that out until probably later on in high school um, because she'd since gone into accounting and um, running pubs and stuff. So never really knew about the film side of things. Yeah, yeah. right. And then what... So what drew me to you, what, I, what sort of sparked my interest was your ability, how young you were and how good you were at what you did, what you were able to do even early on. And I think even I'd be able to look back and go, shit, you've like 10x your ability in mm. a couple of years. That it was all self-taught. Yeah. And yes, you had that, if you had that film club and, and you started honing your, your craft in high school. But it wasn't like you think you thought, all right, I've got to go to uni and do this. It was like, I'm actually going to, I've got the nous to learn it on the go. No, yeah. I started uh, my business. So I got my ABN and everything set up in grade 10 in <laughs> 2015. Uh, my cousin Scott had always loved remote control things. Mm-hmm. Um and I loved the idea of having a drone. So we went halves on a drone. And um, after I had a bit of fun flying that around, I went, I can probably do something with this business-wise. Mm. And uh, got my mum's help to set up with an ABN and um, spoke to some family friends who were real estate agents and started doing drone photography and that. And kind of around that same time, grade 10, you've got this like integrated work experience I think it was only probably a week long at some point in grade 10. Uh, some people really loved it, got really engaged with it. Some people didn't. Um, I was lucky that I got into a 
business, Sunshine Coast Videography, Jaden, and uh, he taught me a lot of the basics over that week and I actually continued doing work experience. And of film of or film. of the business of it? Of film. Right. Um, so that was like wedding videography and sure. um, some real estate stuff. So you're 15 and you've gone, oh, it'd be cool to fly a drone and um, actually there's a market here on the coast to contract to real estate agents to drone footage properties. Yeah, so this is back, I mean, 2015, so not that long ago, but yeah. in my terms it's quite a bit ago. And this is before drones were something every man and his dog had. It was something that you would go out and contract someone for. It's not nowadays pretty much every real estate agent has their own has drone. Their own drone sure. um, but this is back before that and I saw a niche in the market and, um, yeah, worked with a few real estate agents, worked with, the big pineapple to do some stuff on one of their developments and yeah, grew from there. So the, uh, this, there's on a professional level for me, there's two really interesting elements to you that I'd love to dig a bit deeper in. One is, one is that ability to learn and the thirst for knowledge and to the thirst to be better. Mm. And even with the podcast, you are continually trying to be better at and as, as I am, which I'm, I don't know whether I'm doing a great job in terms <laughs> of question, <laughs> the questions and answers, but um, in terms of what we're trying to achieve here and certainly over the two or three years that we filmed for Ultraman, it was just people were just going, holy shit, this is next, like this is the real deal. And even Marcus as director, because you became director of photography for the film, I was trying to say to Marcus when he was in in Melbourne, he was just, you know, I was like, Coates is really good, hey. And he was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then finally got to see it in Hawaii and and, and I think he was blown away by it. Um, so it's that element that I find interesting, that that's an innate thing for you to keep. Every skill I have, I always picture I can be better, sometimes to my own detriment in terms of mental health. I won't give myself credit when I've, done something well but um on the flip side of that i'm always willing to learn and even if i've done something what i perceive as perfectly there's always oh i loved that podcast episode i did that so well but if sure. and then always changing like where we've been six months into this i've completely changed the way i edit the podcast two weeks ago uh, constantly learning and mm. that that's mostly through youtube and just social media um, I'll see something, I'll go, I'll give that a crack. And mm. uh, that stems into most things in my life as well. Um, my mum runs some pubs up at Maribara, so I said I'd give, go up and give her a hand renovating. And so I did obviously painting and stuff like that, but then I taught myself how to do like the, the hybrid flooring for um putting all that in and then there was plumbing to be done. So I was figuring out on the job how to do that. And I think I went back to the plumbing store like six times that day to get the right stuff. But, um, and even most recently with my mates and my full drive, I've been teaching myself how to weld. Um, but I, I'm always keen to give something a crack. I don't expect I'm going to be great at it. Yeah, you've got like the yeah. massive suspensions on suspension on your full drive and you're like, yeah, I did that. Yeah, just in my garage, a couple mates. <laughs> Which is like, I sort of feel like that's a, that's such a, almost like a, without stereotyping the trade, but it's a tradies mentality of, 
I'll be able to do it. Yeah. There's an answer to it. I'll figure it out, right? It's a, or it's an engineering trait, I think, as well. But it's obviously something that resonates with you to go, yeah. there's an answer. You don't need to go to university, yeah. not often, <laughs> to get the answer. And I'll do my best. Mm. Obviously, you're not doing any medical procedures, I hope, by yourself. No, not but, yet. Um, <laughs> the second arm that I find really intriguing for you is the entrepreneurial arm, whereby you have... It's a similar vein of I'm going to do that in business because why not? And I don't know whether that's that's your mentality, but it could be very easy for someone as with the same skill set as you who has that entrepreneurial oh, – sorry, has the engineering tradey type, um, I'll, so I'll figure it out, but quite happy to be an employee, to work for somebody – to do the job, still be focused on efficiency and focused on perfection, but quite happy just to do it for somebody else and not do it under your own steam. Why do you think, where is that entrepreneur, like even at 15, right? For you to go, yeah, I'm going to, we'll go halves in a drone, joint venture. I'm going to, and you think you paid it off within the second engagement with a real estate agent and then it's all cream. Like where, where did that come from? Um, I think it's definitely very much my upbringing, uh, my both my mum and my dad both have their own businesses um have both always been sole traders uh same with my grandparents and my auntie and my uncle um all their own different businesses and i think it's part in part the upbringing and in part the the way you approach things and the way you're taught and brought up if you're not told it's difficult you don't perceive it as difficult mm. So I think if I was brought up in a family where both my parents were employed and then I was like, I want to start my own business and do this, it might have been a bit different. It might have been, oh, that's actually a bit difficult. You've got to do this and this. Whereas... Well, there's a lot of risk in that. You yeah. should probably just get a job for some with somebody else. Exactly. And then. so I think it's like the trait with if you've got a young kid and they fall over, if you start laughing or be happy with them, they'll copy off you and laugh and happy but if you go straight into the oh no you're okay they'll start crying yeah that kind of thing of it you take perception off other people and i think just growing up around that i was very lucky to have that parents and mentors around me to set me on that track and basically yeah i i never looked at anything as that's going to be too difficult or anything like that it was like this is a problem mm. it's got a solution with enough time, I can figure that out and I just go, I know where I want to be, I know where I am, and I work my way up to that. Is that something that your your family circle, your, your circle growing up, was that uh, the ease of entrepreneurship, let's say, or the, the positives around that? Was that expressly said to you or are you just picking that up by osmosis and going, shit, that's what they do, so that's okay? Yeah, no, the, it was never oh, you get to be your own boss and <laughs> yeah, work sure. your own house. It was never that. It was just... It was just this is what life is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, to this date, I've literally worked my first business. In between there, I worked with a few people, Greg Gardner Photography and um, Sunshine Coast Video and a few others, but I've always had my own entity through that. And then I was working for a job and they no longer needed me. This was, I think, just before COVID. Mm. It's funny how it worked. <laughs> pre-COVID, post-COVID, 
Um, and that kind of gave me the push to go, okay, let's do this full-time without consistent Needed. freelancing from a different business as well. And yeah. uh, that's around the time that I met you and um, I initially came on with you and Ash just doing the social media for the documentary was the original plan. Yeah. And I, met, then, I, think I, I think we met earlier than that. I think you were, it was pre-COVID and it was, a, it was we had you working. It was either 2018 or 2019. Um, September. Bar mm, Triathlon. triathlon. I yeah. mentioned the tents there. And so what drives you on an entrepreneurial level? What's the goal here for Cody? Do you feel pulled in both directions in the sense of the creative element of storytelling and that sustains you with regards to your passion and, and, and what you love doing? And then do you see, do you feel a different pull on the business side of things or are they so mixed for you that it's just... They're one in the same mostly for me. Okay. Throughout my business, I've never done any marketing or gone out chasing people. I know it sounds a bit cliche, but I've always been along that natural approach of you'll meet people along the way and they'll introduce you to people and so on and so forth. And I've kind of progressed and once it goes to I'm getting bigger clients, I'll get that bigger camera or I'm getting more people, I'll start looking at having people to freelance for a crew I never really went, okay, at this stage I need this and this stage I need this. Mm. I had, I can't remember when it was, it would have been like grade 10 or 11. I don't know. I've always had the, the long, long-term goal of having a family, having wife and kids. And I had one of my, I don't think I've actually had him as a teacher, but Sean Morris, and he was one of the teachers at my school and he was single and he'd said that he was wanting to travel the world and get all that knowledge and be able to, when he brought kids into this world, he wanted to be able to have that knowledge and that, not wealth, but safety net behind him. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of always stuck with me. Mm -hmm. And so most major career goals and aspirations and things like that are kind of all driving to that goal at the end. Oh, that's beautiful. There's no no set time or yeah. date or anything like that, but it's I want to be able to have – I don't want to be rich and have Mercedes or BMW, Thank I should you. say, BMW <laughs> or anything like that, yeah. but I want to be able to just go through life and not have to worry about money. Mm. I want to – be able to go out for dinner with mates and go, I'll grab this. Like I always enjoy being able to help out others. And yeah. So, yeah, that is that is really beautiful. You're preparing for your future happiness. Essentially. And, yeah. and security. Yeah. And something that you said a few pods ago that really stuck with me is, um, you'll have to help me with this, but it was sacrifice is putting off today's pleasure for future increased pleasure or whatever it was. Yeah. But yeah, that, that's without knowing it, that's basically the mantra I'd subscribe to. Yeah. And I th yeah, I, I, I don't know whether I'm going over old territory on that pod, but the I think that mentality works twice because the delayed gratification of putting off today's small pleasure for tomorrow's greater pleasure, uh, not only does, does the end result compound – but the sacrifice is the reward. 
so you not only is the journey better, but your end result is better as well. Mm. Um, but the, yeah, okay. Because without going into too much detail, you're soon going to have an, a stake in a law firm. You've never been to law school. No. Um, and you're 22. I've watched a fair bit of Suits. Though, <laughs> so. um, I'd love to know if there is a tw- if there's someone under 22 or 23 in Australia who doesn't have a law degree who will have a share in a in a in a, in a private law firm. But that's for me. That goes towards your the person that you are and the 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 work ethic you have and the every single decision every single conversation you've had has led up has led up to this point to allow yourself to be there yeah at that at that juncture do you where does that internal confidence comes from come from when you say yeah i can that can happen i'll make that happen cuz surely 99% of people go oh yeah nah. <laughs> that that is not that's not something that i wanted that's not no i'll just buy some Woolworths shares. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's funny you say that because most people that know me would never put Cody and confidence in the same sentence. Sure. Um, I very much have the split between personal and professional, and I think all my personal confidence is in professional. Mm. So yeah, you're, you're incredibly introverted. Mm. And I would say even – and I know that – you are a different person in a crowd of people you don't know and and compared to in a crowd that you do. Yeah. But even with a crowd you do, you're introverted, (laughs) which is beautiful and that's just you and that's that's, I'm not saying Mm. that's a bad thing. But it's almost like Clark Kent is an introversion. You're Clark Kent introverted. And on a business level, you're you're, you're Superman. Like, truly. like that. Thank you. like yeah. I, I'm, I'm twenty. I'd be twenty six in a law firm with a law degree, with four years under my belt at that time, not thinking that I could have a stake in a law firm. Yeah, and it's, here's you. Uh, so where does that come? Yeah, that's my that's my question. It, it's a dichotomy. You like, it's the same person, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think it still comes back to that whole. If you don't get told it's difficult you don't perceive it as difficult and I have I'd say in business sense I have an overly optimistic view on most everything Mm. Um, and I set myself goals and things I want to achieve and just go for them and if it doesn't work out one way you step across onto a different path and keep going and I yeah, I try not stall too much, I'd say. Okay. So there's there are themes out of what you just said that you can you, you're you're optimistic that you can pivot if things don't go right in mm. one direction you go oh, I'll find the right direction in another. And you've drawn success out of that. Why don't you think you can put that into your personal life? You've got the same it's exactly yeah. You 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 create and we'll now get into this. You now you you have those tools. It's not as if you you don't you haven't come across those tools. No. But from someone looking in, I would desperately love you to have that in your personal. I'd love it too. <laughs> I just 
at the end of the day, I can't seem to reconcile it. And I don't know what it is, but my my interior self-esteem, my interior self-worth is just non-existent. And for most people, I'd say personal and professional, that would be intertwined. But for myself, I'm very much able to separate it and then go at work, uh, hitting goals, things like that. But if I personally try and go, well, I've done really well this week, it doesn't happen. And I don't really have an answer for that. Um, I had a beautiful family, beautiful upbringing. School was a bit tough, but it's tough for everyone. And yeah, I just, I've always struggled with that. How would you describe school as tough? I was always outlier. That was all through both primary and secondary. I had a stint. It's funny looking back on it now, but I had a stint in primary school that I think for four years. Um, I was very introverted and I'd only really have like one best mate. And for four years, that best mate left. So it was four different people. <laughs> they'd come to the school. Oh, fuck. I'd be best mate with them. And then they'd leave. And they'd leave at the end of the year. For whatever reason. Four years in a row. <laughs> And I'm able to look back on that now and laugh at it, but I don't know, maybe it's something in with that. And I don't talk about it too much, but I do. um, (laughs) um, Sorry, we've got the phone watching kids' doors upstairs. Children are asleep again. This is our our hectic our life is the moment. We have my phone upstairs on FaceTime looking at my two children's doors and there's a cat roaming at the top. Our cat. It's not a random cat. (laughs) But uh, walking around anyway. Um, yeah, I've uh, I've got ASD. I've got Asperger's, and that's uh, mostly been my superpower. I'd say, especially in a professional sense, it um, it makes me super hyper focused on things. So generally, with ASD, you'll have one set hobby or pastime. Mine's always been cameras, mm. whether it's been playing with them, filming with them, YouTube. But it's also obviously affected my socializing skills and my anxiety when in groups and things like that and yeah I'd say I never I mean school's pretty relentless at the best of times but I can't really complain I've got great mates now and I only really look forwards. You're young still Hmm. and Michelle and I had we're talking this weekend about how we saw these two kids on a motorbike and they were at a service station, they both were getting, they would have been, yeah, not much older than you. They're both getting their vapes for the week or for the day. I don't know how long vapes last for. <laughs> um, but they were yahooing and they both jumped on their one motorbike and off they went, you know. And we made this idea that, you know, we, she made this comment that like people say that, that life in your 30s is really good because you know where you're going. You know what you're up to. You know who you are to a certain degree. And your 20s, you just have no idea. And then we reflect and looked at y- yours and it's like, man, you're young, but you've, you, you've got it. If you've, you under, you, you, you can, you're so advanced of those people that are just treading water, right? On a business level, mm-hmm. accept that. Okay. Even now at 22, what would you say to that young codes in, in early prime, early secondary school? when you are up against it, to where you are now? I don't actually know. <laughs> I I was always very concerned with everything, with all the details of anything and overthink everything, even, even still now, now I overthink yeah. everything. 
I'd probably tell myself just don't overthink it. Can, uh, can you get that advice to yourself now? No. <laughs> so because you, you tell me right, you'd, you'd be you'd give me this example that even now you'd go to a barbecue or a friend's house and then you'd leave, and it's just a innocuous social Sunday afternoon, and you would be questioning at home for a while whether you left at the right time, whether you offended anyone for leaving at the time you did, whether like that's your brain. Yeah. Yeah. It's not really. Uh, yeah, not really offend anyone, but like oh, I didn't fit in there or. Oh, I felt like I was hanging around like a bad smell or something like that. Hypercritical? Yeah. yeah. And that's even with closest mates I've known for 10 plus years. Mm. It's a long time for me. <laughs> but, it's half your life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, even still I'll, yeah, overthink everything. I'll, yeah, even this weekend a group of us went down to my mates on the Gold Coast to kind of just hang out for his and mine my birthday um, and on the way down was all right but on the way back I'm just how did the weekend go was I all right in that situation or um, worrying for other people but how it affects me and it's something that they wouldn't even perceive like I'm going oh did that mate fit in with the rest of my group or something right. like that when they wouldn't have given it a second thought they would have had a great weekend but I go why did I put them in that situation or things like that? Just it, my brain just keeps going. It doesn't stop. How um, – is that something that you are looking at as that's just me, that's just that's just how I operate or is that something you're trying to control or are you trying to develop strategies to – because it must be tiring. It is. I I call it my social battery and I can only really spend so much time – in a group or in a social situation before I'm just done. Toast. I'm just uh, as good as a brick wall in mm. the corner, basically. And things like that weekend where you're all staying at the one house, sleeping together, waking up together, all that, there's no alone time. I mm. really struggle with that kind of thing. The The constant thinking comes with its positives and its negatives. I The constant thinking in a business sense, I'm always thinking about different skills and different ways I can do things and filming and I'll be almost going to bed and I'll go, think of a new camera rig that will work really well for my next shoot and I'll grab my phone and write down a note or um, a new thing for the upcoming business venture or things like that. But in the other sense, it's always overthinking. It's everything. Mm. Talk to me about grief and and trauma and how that sits with an introverted ASD kid. It's challenging. Yeah, I I mean, most people that know me know I lost a really close mate to suicide two and a bit years ago and that just sent me into, tail, into a tailspin. I, yeah, it just amplified everything and... I dealt with a lot of grief, but especially as well, blame, self-blame, um, why I wasn't there, why I didn't pick up on things. It was really challenging time. That lasted for, I mean, still to, to today it's there, but it's I've developed a lot of great skills and um, had some great people that I've spoken to um, that have helped me so that doesn't control my life anymore I control it mm. but 
for a solid year and a half, it was anything would set me off. And it was just waking up in the morning was a challenge. Mm. I still have my days. I struggled a lot with putting that person on a pedestal and going, I I put them as better as better than me and I went, if that's the result they came mm. up with, what luck does that give me? What chance does that give me? But yeah, I I don't really know. I, I'm very lucky to have met um, a gentleman from Harvey Bay named Peter and he does a therapy type called TRTP and it essentially changed my life. Um, I don't want to be preaching here or anything, but it was, yeah, before that I'd tried talk therapy, um, group stuff, EMDR, which is like an eye movement therapy, uh, medication, nothing worked. So I I really think I just got lucky essentially Mm. in finding this guy and um, was very thankful to... Simon, who introduced me to him, who was a family friend. But, yeah, without that, I don't know where I'd be today. You have still um, had the foresight and the introspection to know, though, that to keep looking for solutions or for help. I think there's a lot of people that are suffering in guilt or a guilt and trauma, just swallowing it and not looking for professional help. Because it's not... As you know, you, you and I both know, it's not just sitting down and talking to somebody, some independent person about what the situation is and then patting you on the back and saying, yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's trying to find an actual strategy because what the world is, the reality of the actual reality of life is not what you're seeing. No. You got a lens on however you see it. This is for someone who's in depression, right? And, and, but you can't, when you see it, when you're looking through that lens, you can't even, you could even, I, and certainly for me, I knew that I was seeing the, like looking at through the lens. I knew that I was going through this. I found that one of the most challenging parts was that I knew I was being self-destructive, but I couldn't stop myself. Mm. So it was like being in third person, being out of body, watching yourself make these decisions and think these things, but not being able to stop yourself. Yeah. And I remember I sent you a message, um, I don't know, six or 12 months ago, and I said, I was having a really crap day, and I said to you, how do you get through the really difficult days? I was in a dark spot. And it's always stuck with me what you said. It's a cloudy day, but you know that the sun is there. You may not be able to see it, but... Like in past, you've seen the sun, you've been with it, you know it is there. Yeah. (laughs) And that kept me going. Yeah. That I I had a a fair, a couple close calls, dark times, but that kept me going. Oh, man. And it just, I don't even know what it was, but uh, just pure coincidence or whatever. But when I had those sessions with Peter um, in Harvey Bay, that revolved around um, some guided meditation stuff and about the sun, and I was like, "There's That's no awesome. chance." That's awesome. No chance. Yeah, I think when you're in those dark places, uh, it can be so dark. But I think I said you have to blindly trust. There's a sun up behind the clouds. 
Yeah. Like you, when you're that dark, you don't believe it, even no. if you've seen it before. But the reference of bef the seeing the sun before is your evidence that it does exist and then it's blindly trusting that it will come when it's come out when it's ready. So, yeah. But uh, for me as well, because we've both lost in different circumstances, but mm -hmm. but both as tragic, we've both lost really close friends. And part of me at that time was I don't like, yes, sure, if I, if I take these lens off, it'll all be fine. But I don't really want to be fine. The facts don't change. The facts are that they're still gone in this scenario, yeah. which has made me so sad and depressed. And you're saying if I do this, if I do this exercise, then I can. Like, why do I deserve to be better? Yeah, or when they're not, they're gone. Yeah. Or how could I be better with them gone? Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And and I think one thing that I think you showed me was that like this idea that if you got a ball in a cup that's, you know, almost making the cup, fulfilling the cup, the ball, and the ball represents your grief and the cup represents your capacity to hold that grief. And this illustration that over time, the ball doesn't change its size. So the grief doesn't change. You'll always be sad. You'll always be, it'll always sit with you, but you're, the idea of time and work and, and, and self-reflection and all that, the cup increases in volume. So it's only yeah. a smaller part mm -hmm. of your capacity. And yeah. that I think solved my bit of, okay, I don't have to, I don't have to come to term. I don't have to like get over the grief of losing someone so close. No, it's, it's the, the it's the size of the ball that'll Relative stay the same. To the cup. Yeah. And then it's the cup that increases. And I thought that was like, that that was from you, and I thought that yeah, that's really good. Yeah. So, um, yeah. But for, I mean, oh gosh, I'm the furthest from being a therapist, but I still think there is something for you, right? To in terms of, and this is outside of the grief bit, but in terms of the tools in business, I think there is a connection to being able to tap into that, to to be have those tools as a as a person, mm -hmm. and to not and to be able to speak to yourself on in a personal level the same way as you approach yourself in business and go, I'm so confident. Yeah. I crush this shit. And it's crazy. You'd, I'd never, ever talk to anyone else the way I talk to myself. And I'm sure you're the same. Yeah. It's it's that internal voice and external voice. Yeah. And, yeah, I guess it's just rationalising at the end of the day that, no, you you do deserve that happiness. You do deserve that pat on the back. And yeah. um, I'm still working on that. Yeah. I know I'll get there one day and Yeah, for yeah. sure. So where does where where is Cody? What what does Cody look like uh next year, let's say, at our annual <laughs> podcast know. catch up that I've I've tied you into? Yeah. Is this before or after the podcast awards? <laughs> probably before. Probably before. Probably before. Yeah, yeah. Well, big change of careers coming up, start of next year. Mm -hmm. Um it's still within, still doing marketing, film, things like that, but um, a lot of admin as well. But I really enjoy being able to take a problem, a challenge, and find a solution for it. And over the next 6, 12 months, I'm going to be learning so much and I'm really excited for that. That's, this is for the law firm. Yeah, yeah. That's what drives me, being able to find 
the problem and then work backwards from that. So um, like I said earlier with the podcast, like I, I've redone the whole way, whole rhythm of editing these podcasts, um, mostly because we managed to film them on a Tuesday night and they go out Wednesday night. But, <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, That'll change like, next year. Yes, but yeah. being able to... Um, see the problem is it takes up too much time and finding a solution and all the research I did and chatting with mates and things and I've found AI, I know, big buzzword, but um, some AI programs that help me to cut down and edit so then I'm more doing proofing of the episodes than physical editing. editing, Yeah. Yeah. So um, just taking that mindset, the mindset I've had forever and applying it to this new career change and... Yeah, I'm excited for it. So that'll be more, also more podcast episodes, different studio. Yes. Um, and yeah, it'll be cool to sit down in a year's time as you're turning 24. Yes. No. No. 23. 23. Sorry, <laughs> shit. I haven't agreed I with feel you. Like, uh, I feel, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe get that right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, it'll be cool to see. And then where's codes in five years, do you think? What's best case scenario for you? I don't know about five years. Um, Ten-year goal was retired by 30. Okay. <laughs> retired for me is a different sense to most people. Retired for me is doing the projects I want to do unrestrained financially. So is that is that like a, a fire sort of approach in terms of financial independence, retire early. So you've worked, would you work out in that sense how much money you would need to retire till to 90 and work and then have that in 10 years? So then you No, it's a ongoing, whether it be through um, companies or through de- property development yep. or more or online courses and things like that that are – Paying for your yeah, passive um, income, yeah, correct, different income streams, yeah, diversifying my income yep. to be able to work on businesses, work with friends, or work on films, things like that, um, yep. where I'm not having to worry about putting food on the table for the family or things like that. But I, I don't think I'd ever be able to just go, okay, I'm retired by thirty. Oh yeah, let's no. go. Um, one and done kind of thing. Like my grandfather, I'm not sure how old he is now, but he's still um, every day doing more, like he'd be in his late 70s. You're insulting um, the man now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, why can't I think of his age? Anyway, um, he he's a big inspiration to me. He, um, he loves buying and selling property and he um, is still doing that to today and managing all his other properties and things with my mum and yeah. um yeah he he'll never truly retire <laughs> which i think is just amazing yeah. and um yeah always having a problem to solve is the goal i like that um okay so um at the end of each episode <laughs> believe it or not <laughs> really yeah yeah really um i do we do uh, some fast questions. I don't know what episode this must be. I think this is 26, 7. I don't know. 27. So you've seen 
you've seen everyone answer the question. So first off, Cody Osborne, and I think I want to ask you the same questions in next year and see that the answers are different. <laughs> um, f- number one tip for someone to be more successful in their life. More successful is, I'd say, believe in yourself, uh, back yourself. Is, yeah, the quick fire answer. <laughs> yeah, sure. Back like yourself, yeah. believe in yourself, and just have that optimism and confidence. Um, I find a lot of people lack that and not justifiably. And I think if you just give it a crack and even if you fail, you're not failing, you're learning. That's awesome. Uh, Same tip for someone trying to find happiness. Not that I do it, but don't overthink it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, Your most gifted book or your most recommended book to read? I've only just started reading in the last, like, six months. So it's like the the Canon user manual? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Um, But literally I I didn't read all through school, um, all through high school. It was kind of an achievement of mine that I'd get um, relatively high marks without reading any of the material. Um, Since then I've read a few good books. Um, Not that it's, like... The st- series I've just finished, which I love, not informative by any means, but the Tomorrow When the War Began series. Sure. I had a friend suggest that one to me and I got hooked. And that was seven books worth. Yeah. Um, and not that it's out yet, but one of my um, good mates, Quinn, has written his own book and that's what originally got me into reading now. Ah, that's a beautiful um, story. So I'll have to keep the podcast updated when get that releases. Yes. As an author. Well, we had... His dad on. Oh, so Darren perfect. was his father. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the first yeah, father that was son trip. Amazingly written book. Okay. Um, so yeah, that'd be great. Uh, most you talk a lot about family, um, and I know you guys are really tight. And there's a what? Who's who would be the most influential person in your life? It's hard to pick one because I don't want to offend anyone. But I'd say not necessarily most influential, but most person I look up to the most would probably be grandpa, Mm. my grandfather. Most influential person, I'd probably say my mum. She's just amazing in everything she does. She has very much the same mindset of me as um, I'm sure I can do that. Mm. Sometimes it doesn't succeed, like (laughs) installing a fan at home and now we don't have lights. But (laughs) (laughs) Um, Does the fan work? Fan works. Oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's dark, um, but it's, co- it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'd probably say my mum, not to offend anyone Everyone else, because yeah, everyone yeah. else is amazing. Um, and my nana's been quite influential in my morals and um, personal life, but I'd say mum overall. Yeah, beautiful. And the number one guest, famous or otherwise, you think we should have on our podcast? Well, you already know this answer, but I really want to have Hamish Blake okay. on the podcast. <laughs> that is my one of my goals with this podcast. It's um, be up there in the Australian Podcast Awards, get a nomination there, and have Hamish yeah, Blake on the podcast. That's okay. He rides bikes, so maybe there's an in there. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, Codes, uh, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, Thanks for having me, I guess. <laughs> usually you're about a metre to my right. Yeah, um, but, gracefully. Uh, yeah, that's, it's going to be a big 12 months. And um, 
I'm looking forward to checking in with you in, in 12 months' time and it will be 50-odd episodes deeper or maybe 100 by that stage from now and uh, it'll be good. Yeah, I can't wait, mate. Thank you. Well, that was Cody Osborne, uh, the main man behind Shadestone Films and pretty much everything that I do. <laughs> um, I won't do too much of an outro to this episode given that Codes is still in the room and still about a metre away, now happily off camera and to my right-hand side. But I hope you really enjoyed it. Any questions, please feel free to ask us. Shout out to Ask Codes as well. Um, but please share the episode to people that you think would enjoy it. Otherwise, um, until next time, we'll see you then. Peace.